going on, people? It's your boy, Kelechi, back with another episode of the Rambling Mind Podcast. How are each and every single one of y'all doing today? I hope y'all are safe. I hope y'all are taking care of yourselves. I hope y'all are staying out of danger. I hope y'all are wearing masks. Man, keep washing your hands, man. If you're going to leave your house when you come home, wash your hands. Take some hand sanitizer with you. Keep washing your hands because, you know, this COVID thing ain't over. Especially now that we're entering into the cold months of the year. They're expecting that they're going to see another major spike in cases because of just it's flu season, which means anything can happen. So I just want to remind everybody, keep taking the precautions we know to take and just doing what you know you ought to do. But anyway, I hope y'all are doing well. I hope y'all are doing well. Today, we're going to be talking about money lessons, lessons about money, lessons that I've learned about money, whether through my life or through other people. Some of the lessons that I think are very important for us to take into consideration and actually put into practice in our own lives. But anyway, as you guys know, every Tuesday is going to be a personal finance topic or an investment talking, talking about how to do investments or how to research companies, something like that. Or it's just going to be about personal finance, how to handle our money and some of the mindset issues that go into us handling our money. And as you guys know, every Thursday we do a business news breakdown, just talking about some of the important business things that are going on in the world. But anyway, let's just get started with it. We're going to have about eight or so lessons and I'll drop a bonus one if we have time at the end of the episode. I think we're going to have plenty of time because I'm not going to. I'm going to try not to ramble too much, even though I'm already rambling and, you know, I do this too too much. But anyway, the first lesson that you need to know about money is money is not everything, but it is important. Money is not everything, but it is important. I think we can fall on either one of these extremes where it's all about money. It's all about chasing money. It's all about making money. It's all about, I need more money. I want more money. I need to have all the money in the world. Or you fall on the other extreme where it's like, ah, money is nothing. Money is not that important. I don't need money. And so there are these two extremes where really we should be in the middle where money is not our entire being. It doesn't wrap up everything that we do. It's not who we are. It's not everything that encompasses our entire life where every single thing is nickel and dime down to because it's money. But at the same time, it's also not something that we can't do without. Money is very, very important. It's important for us to be able to have the things that we need to have, not just the things that we want to have, but the things that we need to have. If you don't have money, there's a lot of things that you can't do. There's a saying that says, money can't buy you happiness. And people like to end it there. However, but money sure as heck make life go a lot easier. It may not buy you happiness because as you guys know, we've talked about it on this show where there's a cap to the level of happiness that money will bring you, which is about $70,000. But at the same time, when you're below that, when you're still uh, going, trying to get to that point, it definitely makes life a lot easier. And when you're struggling, it definitely makes a difference to have a little bit of pocket change in your pocket, to have a little bit of change in your wallet. To have a little bit of money in the bank account. It definitely makes a little bit of difference. However, it is not everything. There are a lot of other things that are much more important in life other than money. There's a lot of other things that we need to get into other than just money, other than just focusing on money. Because 
I mean, the most important thing that every single person should know, one, we are emotional creatures. Money can never satisfy our emotional need. Two, if you agree with me, maybe you don't. We are we are spiritual creatures. Money can never satisfy that things that our mind craves, that 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 thing that we always ponder about, that big picture stuff that we're always dwelling on, all the big imageries that we always think about. Money can never settle that. So there it can meet some of our physical needs, but it definitely cannot meet other needs. And so that's why I say money is not everything. Money is not the be all end all. Money is a thing that helps us, but it's not the be all end all. You have to remember this. Money is just a tool. It is a tool for you to get the things that you need and the things that you want. But money in and of itself is not everything. Money solves most problems. I'm not going to trip. Money solves a lot of problems. However, it doesn't solve all problems. It solves a lot of problems, but it doesn't solve all problems. Lesson two, and this one is something called the 80-20 rule, which states that 80% of results come from 20% of efforts. However, the opposite is also true. 20% of results come from 80% of effort. And this also applies to our money. Sometimes we buy things to try and get a full hundred percent out of it. But in reality, money isn't going as far as it will anymore. That money is not going to go as far as it will anymore. And so you get into the stages of diminishing returns. You get into the in, into the stages where you're nickel and diamond things and you're being so cheap about something. This I'm really talking to myself in this. And you're trying to like maximize everything out and you're, you're putting so much effort into this thing and you're actually losing money in the process where your money isn't really giving you much of any returns anymore, where you're like overanalyzing things and overspending too much time on things and overdoing things when really it'll be like, for example, one of my friends, which if he hears this is going to get mad at me. One of my friends, he's trying to get a new laptop and the amount of phone calls that we have had and we have spent so much time trying to figure out, should he get this laptop or should he get that laptop? Is this the right laptop to get or is it the wrong laptop to get? And we spent so much time and he was like, he was like going through a painstaking process. I'm not saying don't do your research, definitely do your research. But there comes a point where it's like you're kind of going overboard and the, the difference between one device to another device is not that extensive. Like think of smartphones right now. You can spend $1,000 and get the most expensive iPhone right now, or you can get 80% of the things that are in that super expensive iPhone in the 500 iPhone SE, or in the in the 600 iPhone 10R, or in the 600 iPhone 11. So there's like diminishing returns when we start trying to either spend way too much money to try and like get that 5% more clarity or 5% better this or 1% better this. Now, if you're a professional and you're doing it because of work and it's going to increase your workflow, that's different. That's professionals spend a kind of a bunch of money because that's time and their time is money, but that's, that's a separate thing. But when it comes to consumer products and we're spending all kinds of money just to get the latest and greatest, when really you can get literally the same thing for a lesser price, you start losing out of money. Even on the other side, when it comes to investments, like literally for most people, investing in ETFs and index funds give you the returns that you want and you need. Unlike people like me that want to go and do research and all this stuff. And in the end of the day, our returns probably are not going to be as good as the S&P 500. I mean, we've talked about it in the past where 
We have fund managers that are always getting beat by index funds. Why? They put in so much more time, so much more effort, so much more money into researching this thing. But at the end of the day, it comes down simply to the fact that sometimes, again, 20% of effort, 80% return. 20% of effort, 80% return. I mean, there are some things that you will put 80% effort into just because you enjoy doing those things. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying realize that there is a point of diminishing returns when it comes to the way that you handle your money and in most other things in life as well. Rule number three, cash flow is king, aka cash is king. It's greater than having assets than produce that produces nothing. If you have an asset that begins to cost you more than it brings in, then now it's no longer an asset. It is now an, a liability. We love to talk about all the different things that we have. We love to talk about, oh man, this thing is worth this and that thing is worth that and this thing is worth this. But if you have to upkeep that item and it's starting to cost you money to upkeep that item and the money you're having to spend to upkeep that item is, is not something that is just easily accessible or easily something that you can have on hand, then that item is no longer an asset. It is now a liability. And it would be better for you to actually sell that item off. Cash is always keying. If you listen to business people talk, one of the things that uh, Ray Dalio and, no, not Ray Dalio, my bad, Warren Buffett really loves to focus on whenever he's looking at businesses is simply what does their cash flow look like? Because at some point, stuff is going to hit the fan. At some point, you're going to go through some kind of difficulties, and in order for you to get out of that difficult situation, you're going to need cash, not just assets that you can maybe possibly sell for some estimated price that you don't really know, and cash is king, cash is king, like even investing in the stock market. Yes, you can look at your portfolio one day and be like, oh man, I have a lot of money in there, I don't need an emergency fund. The next day, you can come back to that same portfolio, and it's lost 50%. So this is why we always talk about have an emergency fund, have an emergency fund, have an emergency fund, because cash flow is king. Having cash on hand in a time of crisis, in a time of difficulty is much more important than anything else, which is why right now with the the coronavirus pandemic, we're seeing the Federal Reserve pump cash into the system. You're seeing companies ask for the government, we need more cash, we need more cash, we need more cash, because they have assets, but they can't really sell the assets right now. Nobody's trying to buy it. So all of a sudden, cash is king. Why is it that Google, Microsoft, Apple, all these companies have so much cash on hand? Because it puts them in a stronger position. Why is it that um, Berkshire Hathaway has over a hundred billion on hand because it puts him in a stronger position. If, if for nothing else, for him to make a move, or if for nothing else, for him to be able to exit any kind of financial stressful situation, cash is king. Number four, and a lot of people gonna hate me for this one: a house is not always an asset. We really, and I'm gonna do. Hopefully, I'll do a YouTube video on this. We really need to get away from the mindset of the emotional mindset that is tied into buying certain things. The emotional mindset that is lumped into us buying certain things. 
And one of those things that we put a lot of emotion into is buying a house. We put a lot of unnecessary emotions into buying a house. And so you have a lot of people that buy houses that they cannot really afford and they end up house poor. Why? Because that's the thing that they're supposed to do. Society says that the best way to build wealth is to buy a house. So therefore, I have to buy a house. So I'm going to go buy a house because that's the thing that I'm supposed to do. I started working. I'm making good money. So I need to go and buy a house. A house is not always an asset. It is important for you to count the cost when it comes to buying a house. Don't just buy a house because, hey, you know what? That's the move that I'm supposed to make. That's the thing that I'm supposed to do. I have, I'm working full time. I'm making excellent money. I should buy a house. That's not it, man. That's not it. A house is not always an asset. There's a lot of other things that come along with a house. You need an emergency phone because anything can break in the house at all times. You can say, hey, it's a new house. Anything can happen. Murphy's Law states that what can go wrong will go wrong. And it usually goes wrong at the worst of times. At the worst of times. This is why I say a house is not always an asset. You can turn it into an asset. You can make it an asset. I'm not saying buying a house, you shouldn't buy a house or anything like that, but just be aware of what it is that you're doing. Just be aware of what it is that you're getting yourself into. Don't just take the maximum dollars that the bank offers you. Don't go out there and look for the biggest, fanciest house. For most of us, our first house shouldn't be the fanciest thing. It should be one that we can actually afford. That should be literally the decisive factor of, I can only afford this much to buy a house, so therefore, this is the house that I'm going to buy. It is okay for you to take longer to buy a house and not rush that decision. But the main thing is count the cost. Make sure that you are balancing your opportunity cost versus owning a home. What do I mean by the opportunity cost? The down payment that you have to put for that house, what is the opportunity cost that you're losing of that money being invested? Because when we choose to make one decision, we are automatically deciding we're not making another decision. We are losing out on something else. I'm not saying don't buy a house. Don't don't take that the wrong way. But I'm saying count the cost before you buy a house, before you rush out there and you say, hey, this is the thing that I need to do. This is what I need to do. Just count the cost. A house is not always an asset. Number five, learn how to negotiate and learn how to sell. Now, I'm saying this not because you're going to have to sell something or anything like that, but the main reason is for you to have a stronger footing when you are talking with people or when people are trying to sell you something, if you understand the tactics that they're using, if you understand the marketing way that they're trying to sell to you, if you understand the things that they're trying to get you to buy into, the emotional feelings that they're trying to get you to get tied into, if you understand all of these things, then you're on a very stronger footing to be able to enable yourself to get a better deal. Think about it. Whenever you go to a dealership, the first thing is like, oh, how are you doing? They want you to drive the car. They're like, you know what? Just take the car. Like, you don't even care. Just take the car. You can take it home. You can drive it for the next week. Why are they doing all that? It's simple. They want you to fall in love with the car. Now, if you don't know that tactic going in, oh, man, as soon as you get into the car and you're like, oh, my God. Oh, this chair. Oh, oh, whoa, whoa. This chair. This is real comfortable. 
I ain't never been in a car like this before. This is real comfortable. You turn it on. Ooh. Ooh, that felt nice. That felt real good. You start leaning back in the car, one hand on the steering wheel, and then the sunroof goes down. You're like, whoa, I ain't got a sunroof in my car. Like, oh my God, this is nice. And then over that week, you get very accustomed to it. Over that week, you get very used to the idea of owning this car. And so all of a sudden, when you go back into the dealership, you don't want to let go of it. You don't want to release it. You've built up an imagination in your mind. And you're like, I need this car. It's no longer like, oh, I need a new car because my car is dying on me. And I need to go get a, not a used car, not a new car, but like a used car. New to me car is how I like to say it. I need a new to me car. Now it's like, yo, this car is too much. There's no way I can do anything in life without this car. I need this car to complete my life. You've lost. So if we understand the tactics, if we understand how businesses make us want to spend money, one of the things I'll tell anybody to do, watch business, how they package their material, how they do research to get emotional responses out of you, how they do research to ensure that um, you spend your money when when it's time for sales. These businesses are not stupid. They know exactly what they're doing. I always find it funny when people are like, oh yeah, I got the best of that deal. I went in there and I did this. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. How much are you paying? Oh yeah, you you, you got the best of that deal? What's the interest rate on? The, oh, you got the best. And they're like, well, you know, but it's it was supposed to be this. It's like, understand that a lot of places would rather you pay more in interest than you actually paid the sticker price. So they will always take down that sticker price. So if you walk into a place and they're offering you a credit card or a debit card or any of these reward points, if only you just spend this amount of dollars, you get this reward point. They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. And I'm saying this not because I've never experienced it. I'm saying this because I've done this. I fell into the trap of believing, oh, I'm going to get cash back reward anyway. So I might as well pay my credit card. And then I maxed that thing out. Because, hey, I'm getting cashback rewards. Except the problem is the cashback reward is never going to pay off the credit card. So know how to use these things to your advantage. Know how to put yourself in a position to negotiate better, to sell better. It even helps us when we're working. To know negotiation comes down simply to this. People always say, I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. No, 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 no. You don't deserve anything. Let me just put it this way. You do not deserve anything. You deserve what you have the leverage for. People always like to talk about deserve, deserve, deserve. Deserve has nothing to do with a negotiation. It's all about your leverage in that situation. It's all about what is it that you are bringing to the table. So when you're at work, it is important, it is imperative that you know what you're bringing to the table. It is imperative that you know how much value that you are bringing. You know that I'm so good at my job that for them to bring somebody else off the street or to contract it out is going to cost them twice as much. So therefore, I believe I I deserve some kind of a raise. It is important. It is imperative that you understand where you are or you will not be able to get to where you want to be. So understand the art of negotiation. Understand the art of how to get some of the things that it is that you want. One of my favorite books to read about negotiation is by a former FBI um, 
negotiator, kidnapped negotiator. He negotiated with terrorists, negotiated with all kinds of different groups. I forget. Oh, never split the difference is, is what the book is called. Very good book that talks about the mindset of how to negotiate, to understand body language, to understand how you present yourself in a certain fashion so that you can put yourself in the best light. So understand how to negotiate and how to sell. It will always put you in a better position. All right, number six, we talk about it a lot. We talk about it a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. But I have to remind you guys this. Always pay yourself first. Everybody else gets paid except for you. Why? Why? The credit card company. Everybody else gets paid but you. You never get to see the the, the fruits of your labor. You pay everything else. You pay all your other bills, but you never pay yourself. You never pay your future self. You never guarantee your future self will see any of the money that's coming in today. You will pay the store down the street. You will pay the manufacturer of that clothing, that cloth, that cloth, that cloth, cloth, clothes, cloth, t-shirt. Oh my God. What am I saying? Anyway, you will pay the manufacturer of that watch, of that car, of everything, but you won't pay yourself. You won't pay yourself. You will spend all your money, but you won't pay. It is so important that every time you get a paycheck, at least 10%, at least at the very minimum, you save 10% of that paycheck outright. Boom. You don't see it. You don't touch it. You don't see it. You don't touch it. 10% of that paycheck, you take it out and you save it and you learn how to live on 90%. Because future you will thank you. Don't say that's future me's problem. Mm-mm. Present you is setting up future you. Present me is setting up future me. I love that saying from How I Met Your Mother. Is like, well, that's not my problem. That's future me's problem. In some things, it's important to let future you decide. But when it comes to money, present you is a key factor. It's a very key factor. That's why we have a lot of people that say, ah, oh, man, I regret doing this thing. I regret not taking care of this thing. What they're saying is stupid past me made stupid decisions. And I'm saying this as somebody who has who has made a lot of stupid decisions. So definitely learn to pay yourself first. Number seven. Discipline is freedom. Discipline is freedom. I know it's a very oxymoronic statement, or it sounds like a very oxymoronic statement, but truly the moment you learn to discipline yourself in areas of your life that you want to enjoy more, you will actually enjoy it a lot more. If you learn to discipline yourself to sleep on time, which I really need to get back on my sleep schedule, to sleep on time, all of a sudden you wake up earlier and you feel recharged. If you want to discipline yourself to drink more water so that when you so that your body just feels healthier, drink more water and you will feel energetic. Discipline is freedom. Discipline is the only way you can get to being actually truly free. I know it doesn't make sense. You would think like, oh, just being free and doing whatever you want is actually free. No, you're not. When you're when you're controlled by your impulses, when you're controlled by your 
your desires, when you're controlled by all the little things and emotional things that just make you go this way and that way, you're not free. You're not free. Like tell, ask anybody that has been addicted. I'll, I'll say this for me. I'll use myself as an example. For me, one of the things that I struggle with and I still struggle with, and I pray God will continue to help me through this is porn. Ask anybody that struggles with porn, anybody that struggles with porn, it is not freedom. That is, there's no freedom in that thing. There's no freedom in it. You are stuck in this cycle of, oh, I have this urge. And so I have to fulfill this urge. It's the same way with our money. If we don't get disciplined on how we spend our money, on how we spend our finances, on making sure that we're living on less than we make, on making sure that we're not just spending money any way, any which way, just because ah, I feel kind of bad today, so I'm gonna stop by a store. You will never, ever get to where you want to be. Ever. And the thing is, discipline infiltrates every single part of our lives. Every single part of our lives. Number eight, it is okay to spend money, which is funny coming off of number seven, but it is okay to spend money. Just be aware of when you are spending the money. Don't just spend money and then wake up one day and be like, where did all this money go? Where exactly did I just spend all my money? Don't ever do that. Don't ever, ever get to the point where it's like you have no idea where all your money went. Be very aware whenever you're spending money. Whatever you got to do to ensure that you realize and you're feeling the heartache of spending the money. If it's that you got to pay with cash in order to realize like, oh my God, I'm losing money. Or if it's that you have to write it down every single time you buy something. Whatever it takes, because right now swiping a card is so easy. And, and even now we have touch tap to pay with our phones where you just walk up, big them, done. And you don't even, it doesn't even, you don't even feel it. Or you're online and you just like enter, especially if you shop on Amazon, you don't even have to think about it. It's just enter, 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 done. And you're done. You just spend your money without even thinking about it, without even feeling it. It is important to realize that it's okay to spend money, but just realize when you are spending it. And I'm talking to myself on this one because I can be a very frugal person. I can be very cheap. I can be very like, yeah, I can be very hold backish on spending money, but it is very much okay to spend money. And the final one, this is just going to be a bonus one. As you guys know, I say this statement at the end of every single podcast because I truly believe it to be true, which is generosity is always greater than greed. What do I mean by that? I believe that when you get to the point where you give, where you give to people, it is one of the most freeing things that you will ever experience. Remember when we talked about discipline? In order to give, you have to discipline yourself. And both of these things lead to a sense of fulfillment, a sense of freedom that you can never get with anything else when it comes to money. There's a reason why a lot of really, really rich and powerful people give a portion of their wealth away. Why? Well, first of all, it's a tax break, so let's not play with that. But other than that, there's just a sense of fulfillment and sense of just freedom that you get, a sense of euphoria 
when you give to somebody and you see the smile on their face, there is nothing more better than that. It just feels amazing. It feels unbelievable when you just see their smiles and you see them so happy. It is, I can't explain it. If, if For those who give, you understand exactly what I'm saying. There's nothing that feels better than doing that. It also gives you a sense of gratitude and appreciation for where you are. It gives you a sense of gratitude to just be like, man, to see life in a completely different point of view. The also interesting thing about giving is when you spend more t- less time trying to hold on to the money you already have, you think about ways to make more money and you're able to pursue ways to make more money. Think about it. If you're holding something, it is hard for you to grab something else. If you're holding on to something, everybody, I want everybody listening to me, just make a fist out of your hand. Now try to touch something. Try to grab something. You can't. You can't because you're holding on to something else. But the moment you free that thing, the moment you let that thing go, all of a sudden, oh, I can touch my table. I can grab my table. I can move my table. I can move my mouse. I can do more stuff. I am freed from having to only hold on to that thing. I can do more stuff. It's the same way with money. That's why they say that giving is always better than receiving because the hand that gives will forever be on top, will forever be on top. That's just facts. So look for ways, even if in small ways, I think a lot of people think you need a lot of money to start giving. Start small, start small, whether it's a dollar that you give to your favorite charity or when somebody, your friend says, hey man, I need, do you have any extra, can you come pick me up? Or, hey man, do you have time to do this and help me out in this? There are multiple ways that we can give. There are multiple ways that you can give. But anyway, that's all I got for y'all. Let me run down the quick eight things that we talked about again on the money lessons to have for life. One, money is not everything, but it is very important. The 80-20 rules, which states that 80% of your results come from 20% of your efforts. However, the reverse is also true. So watch out for diminishing returns when you're trying to be so pragmatic and grind down to every minute details. Three, cash is king. Cash is king. It holds more than, I know it depreciates over time because of inflation. However, cash is king. When you're into trouble and in a situation, cash is going to bail you out. Three or four, a house is not always an asset. Count the cost. Count the cost. Don't get caught up in an emotional type of feeling of, oh my God, I need to have this thing. No, 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 no. We're not doing that. Five, learn how to negotiate and learn how to sell so that you can be on a stronger footing in everything in your life. Six, always pay yourself first. Seven, discipline is freedom. Discipline is freedom. Eight, it's okay to spend money but just know when you're spending money. Be aware when you're spending money. And as I say every single episode, remember, generosity is always greater than greed. God bless each and every single one of y'all. And I'm out. Peace.